Hello, and welcome to this special episode of Storied San Francisco. I'm your host, Jeff Hunt. All throughout September, we're focusing on small business owners. Some are new to the show, and some are revisits with past guests. In this podcast, we catch up with Dino Medardo Rosso, whom we first met back in season two. Dino talks about transitions he's made since the onset of the pandemic in March. And he lets us know ways we can help his latest efforts at bridging the language gap. Here's Dino. So my, my, my story, SF and beyond, is my name is Dino. Um, and a few years ago, I started a business in San Francisco in the Bay Area uh, called Lingo. And what I was doing with Lingo, uh, I was partnering with restaurants, mostly, uh, and I was bridging the language gap uh, that exists between the front of the house and the back of the house um, uh, by teaching Spanish to the folks in the front and English to the folks in the back. Um, Because, you know, it doesn't matter really where you go, what kind of restaurant you're in, could be Mongolian restaurant. The kitchen staff is 99% for sure going to be Spanish speakers. Um, so you know, it causes a lot of problems. So that's what I was doing for a while, and then I, I actually became uh, the official Spanish teacher of the San Francisco Fire Department. Uh, I was helping first responders, um, you know, assist people that only speak Spanish in the city. Uh, and then I started doing some stuff with UCSF, helping social workers reach out to their clients in the Latin community. So, you know, things were chugging along real well, um, making a lot of inroads. And then, boom, 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 the pandemic came um, and changed all of our lives. In a nutshell, what, what happened within a very, I guess, auspiciously short time period was kind of within a week, I... Um, once, once all the restaurants closed, my business pretty much tanked. Um, but, you know, I said to myself, well, you know, I still have my high school teaching job. And then I got laid off, <laughs> like, two days later. <laughs> I'm, fuck, I'm so sorry. And I was like, ah. <laughs> um, and then I was like, oh, well, you know, I don't have a sugar daddy. Uh, and I'm, you know, a teacher. We don't make money, so I guess I can't afford to live in my apartment in San Francisco anymore. Um, and so I just sort of surrendered myself to the idea of just letting my apartment go and seeing where the winds blew me. Okay. Um, and, uh, you know, um, kismet, whatever you want to call it, I, I was telling my brother this, I, one of my brothers, I have many, who lives in Denver, and he was like, yeah, man, uh, I'm actually, uh, I'm converting a school bus as we speak. Mm-hmm. My wife and my kid, we're just going to go take our family life off the road. And I was like, no shit, that's crazy. Um, and then I was like, well, I don't know, why don't we just all do the same, build me one. <laughs> Make one for me. Make it <laughs> while you're and at I'll, it. I'll join <laughs> you know, while you're at it, you know. Like a family caravan. And then I was like, you know, uh, that's actually not a bad idea. Because when, you know, when I was working with the restaurants uh, in the fire department, I was just, I was running all over the place, 
all the time, which was great for my waistline. Um, but, you know, I was just sort of like, you know, you're late. This muni is late. Um, and, you know, uh, life gets like, you know, if you have to travel all the time everywhere on foot, I, it just kind of like can cut into things. So I thought, well, what if I just become fully mobile? What if I live in a bus? You know, first I was like, I'll just live in a van dime by the river, call it a day. Um, but then I was like, wait, I can still be useful. Um, I was like, what if I, what if I live in a bus and I paint it blue for like marketing purposes and call it the blue bus and I just, I take my show on the road and instead of keeping myself local just to the Bay Area, how about I take my dog and pony show statewide and I partner with local farms to do kind of the same thing that I was doing, uh, you know, teaching Spanish to the landowners who are almost overwhelmingly, you know, white English speakers. The whole food industry, basically. So when we think about where our food comes from, you know, and I hope this doesn't get too uh, abstract, but the whole food industry is basically uh, rely, relies upon um, the banging labor of immigrants, many of whom, maybe even most of whom, are undocumented, uh, non-English speakers. Um, and they usually get the short end of the stick you know, they have really long working hours. Um, they have to toil under the blazing sun for us. Now they have to do it with masks on, if they get masks. They don't get many bathroom breaks. They have to worry about childcare. Um, because their lives are transitory, you know, they're migrants. They follow the crops. They don't have time to really set up any community and, and, and really avail themselves of social services, healthcare. You know, they can't vote. So they're really a disenfranchised community. So, um, you know, I found this by talking to, to all the, the kitchen folks that I was working with. So when I, I decided to live in a van, <laughs> I was like, hey, you know, why don't I do the same model but extrapolate it to, to the, whole, the whole sort of state, um, you know, writ large. So. Right. I reached out to some local farms and asked if they would be interested. And they said, you know, heck yeah, we'd love to be able to, to communicate with our field workers. And I, and I think part of this for me is not just to help white people talk to brown people, to boss them around and tell them what to do. Right. But for me, it's also, I think learning the language of another community tends to really foment empathy on a lot of levels and uh, once people start becoming compassionate and considerate of one another um, they tend to be more kind to one another and so this translates hopefully part of the language pun but it translates into <laughs> you know uh, people their working conditions right. people getting paid you know people getting access to health care by their employer <laughs> you know ABCDEFG and now <laughs> with you know, the wildfire I remember one of the things that was happening last time we had wildfires when I was working in the restaurants is, you know, I was privy to all the conversations the kitchen staff were having uh, in Spanish. And they were saying, you know, while all of the white English speaking um, homeowners and business owners were able to, you know, go to Red Cross and get food and shelter and blankets and medicine, a lot of these field workers didn't want to be 
visible. They didn't want to be in a list. Um, and so they were literally hiding out on the, on the, on the back dirt roads of Sonoma County, Napa County, sleeping in their trucks with their kids while the, you know, flame crouching around them, the smoke and everything. But so my point point is I just want to really bridge, you know, the language gap in an effort to pull people together. So I started a GoFundMe because it turns out if you want to buy a house <laughs> on wheels and trick it out to be, you know, outfitted for educational purposes and for living in, you need some money and living in San Francisco on a teacher's wage did not give me enough money to do that. So mm -hmm. if people want to, if you feel so compelled, um, certainly don't have to, but if you'd like to, you know, you can throw me a 10 spot or whatever to, uh, my GoFundMe is called the little blue bus. Little blue. Um, and it tells my whole story on there. Uh, people feel, can feel free to reach out to me, try to really be open. Um, you know, and I, I think it's, look, I think one of the things when we talk about white privilege, um, and I work with a lot of brown, non-English speaking immigrants, my life is already leagues sort of like easier than theirs. So I am not going to sit here and cry about, you know, I lost this, I lost that, I lost this. I mean, we're talking about people who are not in their own homeland. Right. So I just sort of wanted to keep what I had and um, I just parlayed it into this thing and I think this is actually going to be a more uh a more fun mobile uh new venture that will reach out further than what i was doing before so you know i think out of the ashes often comes new growth so i'm really excited about that and i'm embracing this new opportunity that was dino medardo rosso on the next special episode of storied san francisco We'll check in with Babylon Burning's Mike Lynch. Please join us Monday, and have a lovely weekend. Music for Storied San Francisco is by Otis McDonald. Photography is by Michelle Kilfeather. The show is hosted and produced by me. Michelle and I have produced more than 120 episodes over the last three years, and you can find them all over at our website, storiedsf.com. We're on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook as well as just about everywhere you can listen to podcasts. Please subscribe to stay up to date on all the content we publish. And if you have any feedback for us, or you just want to say hi, our email is storiedsf at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Stay strong, stay safe, and stay healthy.